There's a verse that says, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Then there's a pretty big assumption in that verse. And the assumption is that we need strength. And so I asked, like, okay, does that mean that we're weak? Does that mean we're frail? I mean, maybe. <laughs> maybe not. But no matter what, it means that we absolutely need a strength beyond our own. A strength that comes from somewhere else, from, from someone else, and that a strength that comes from God. And so this assumption that we need strength is true. We do. We need it. We need it badly. But the beautiful thing, the beautiful thing is that we don't have to be strong to find joy. We don't have to sort of like build up our, our strength or our willpower or, or all that to, to get to that place of joy. The beautiful thing about it is that we get joy from God. We do need it. We need this joy. It's joy in God. It's joy from God. And it's even a joy with God. And that is what makes us strong. Because the joy of the Lord is our strength. We receive joy from him. My name is Eric Wakeling. If you've not uh, met, I'm the pastor here at Calvary Church. And I'm so excited to talk to you about all of this because the joy of the Lord truly is your strength. And uh, as Tim said, uh, written a book and it's just coming out called God Joy and it comes out today and this, this album of songs and we're so excited for you to take part in that because we believe that this message is for you. And at some level, this message is from you. Like, a lot of you out there might be like, yeah, 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 we get it. We've been talking about the joy of the Lord is our strength for a while, Eric. And so I, I feel like we've been kind of workshopping this together as a, as a church family. And so you've been writing this, this message and this book with me for a long time. And uh, we're going to be then talking about this for the next, for about, for about uh, six weeks. And... You know, I, I do want to stress again that all of this is, it's, I, well, first of all, I believe it's fine and okay as pastors write books to be able to receive money for their books. But this book, we felt as a church family, we want this to be something that it's not about like me, it's not about the church even getting something. It's about us continuing to give. It's continuing to give away. We've had a heart as a church for that for so long. <laughs> you know, even when you think about how much we give out towards missions and serving others, that we wanted this even to be that. That all the money from the book, the, uh, the songs, everything goes to serving refugees in Europe through ministry partners of our church. Yes, yes. And then that also frees us from some guilt, which we're going to talk about today. So freedom from guilt, because we believe that this joy, this God joy, frees us from guilt and gives us strength 
in our suffering. And so today is a focus in on this first part, this freedom from guilt that we have in the Lord. And so I'm going to walk us through a little bit of that. And the, the first point even in that is that the Bible tells you to party. <laughs> All right. The Bible tells you to party. Now, let me explain what I mean when I say that. All right. So all of this, this message is based off of Nehemiah 8. Nehemiah 8. Now, the, the story of what's happening in Nehemiah is this story of the people of Israel. And the people of Israel have been in exile up until this point. They were previously, they'd, they'd had uh, the Assyrians and then the Babylonians come in and make war against them and defeated them brutally and then ripped them out of their homes, out of their towns, out of their country and taken them out of their land too, and they've been they've been in some some in Assyria, some in Babylon, and now the Persian Empire has overtaken all of them, and they're under the Persian control. And so it's at this point, though, that Nehemiah goes to the king and gets permission for them for some of them to start making their way back to their land, back to the city of Jerusalem. And so they're back and they're starting to rebuild things. They're rebuilding the walls. A lot of this story of Nehemiah is rebuilding the walls, rebuilding their city. And they're in some ways rebuilding their hearts because they're rediscovering who they are. Who they are. They've, they've been the Jewish people. They didn't completely lose their faith while they were, while they were in exile. But it was definitely, they were, they were definitely losing touch with, with the word of God, with what it meant for them to be the people of God. We even see, if you look in, in Nehemiah 8, um, and you can Google that, you can look in those Bibles on the back of that seat there in front of you. It's after Chronicles, it's after Ezra, it's before Esther, before like the Psalms, if you're kind of flipping around and just trying to find it. But Nehemiah 8, interestingly, like after this story that we're going to talk about today, even in 13 on, it's, it's saying like they didn't even really know about the, the Feast of Booths or Sukkot, it's called. They didn't know about it or they weren't practicing it. That means they weren't reading the Torah. They didn't know of what the word of God was commanding them to do. They've, they've lost their way. They've lost their way. And so as they're coming back and building their land, they're kind of rediscovering who God has made them to be. And then this one day comes along. When Nehemiah and Ezra, they gather all of the people, it says, uh, inside the water gate, at the water gate, which is south of the Temple Mount, um, just, just like really close to the southern steps of the temple where Jesus ended up healing people, where I believe is where Pentecost takes place, at the southern steps of the temple with the movement of the Holy Spirit there uh, at Pentecost. And then you see way earlier you have this time where... They gather all the people together near this water gate and they just read the Bible to them out loud for several hours <laughs> while they're all standing up. Okay, so it says all the people come, they're standing up and it says from early morning to midday and they're just reading the Torah. Okay, reading the first um, like five books of the Bible. I don't know how far into it they got, but they got far enough that the people begin to weep. So the people are just crying. The people are in some way moved. I don't know what's going on. They're being convicted. It's like what's happening in their hearts as, as just the, the word of God is read to them. And they're crying and they're crying and they're crying. And the response 
You think often, like, even like me, as I, if I was, like, preaching or reading from God's word, you guys all just begin to cry. Be like, yeah, they're crying. I got them right where I want them, you know? Like that kind of thing. Uh, and you think, yes, they're, 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 they're getting it. They're moved. Well, check out here what it says in Nehemiah 8, 9. It says, then Nehemiah, who was the governor, and Ezra the priest and scribe, and the Levites who taught the people, said to all the people this. It says, this day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. For all the people were weeping when they heard the words of the law. And then he says this, Nehemiah 8.10, Go, eat of the fat. Drink of the sweet and send portions to him who has nothing prepared. For this day is holy to our Lord. Do not be grieved for the joy of the Lord is your strength. All right. So you have been moved by hearing the word of God to the point of tears. And then you start and you're crying. And then the priest gets up and says, no, 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 no. Stop crying. That might have been okay even for a moment there, but all right, let's, let's cut that off. Let's throw a party. Eat the fat, drink the sweet, share with other people. The joy of the Lord is your strength. And so the Bible tells you to throw a party. Eat the, the so this whole thing, eat the fat. Some um, versions, like the NLT version that's in the back of the seats there, I think it says like rich foods or rich holiday foods, some say. I just like eat the fat. I, mean, I think it's kind of awesome, you know. And I've always said that that's, that equals you don't eat a filet, you eat a ribeye, okay. That's what the Bible says. You're supposed to eat the fatty parts, not the super lean parts, all right. Now, that's, this is for this kind of celebration. He says, throw a party. We're going to even see him talk more about eating the fat soon as we go through here. So you're supposed to drink the sweet, and I, I, this is the Bible telling you to eat the fat and drink this sweet wine. Now, I don't think that if that's a problem for you, then that's okay. Like, just don't say, I'll just have water, right? You know, like if that, that's like, it's not like the, at the restaurant where you're like, just water for me. You know, I, I, even though I say that a lot, but it's like, this is the time where you're supposed to have the good stuff, all right? Break out the good stuff and celebrate for the joy of the Lord is your strength. If God has moved in you in this way, the joy of the Lord is your strength. And you might be thinking like, am I reading the Bible? Yeah, you are. The Bible tells you, eat the fat, drink the sweet, throw a party. So why do we throw a party? We throw a party. We think about parties right, in our life, reasons we have parties, birthdays, anniversaries, you know, maybe it's like a holiday or promotion or something. I don't know, like all of these graduations, you have parties for all these things in life and you think, all right, how about guilt and conviction? Hmm. Yeah, that's going to be a good party. Yeah, all right. I like that. We're going to have a conviction or a guilt party, you know, a guilt trip, a guilt party. Right? So that's, that's what God, though, I think here is saying and is telling us. That's why we're to have a party. Now, let me kind of talk a little bit here to get us to why I say that, to talk as briefly as I can a story that maybe some of you have heard, but it's the story of a party that I had at my house. Now, when I was a junior in high school, um, my parents went away for about nine days, and they left me at home alone. I was supposed to be staying at a friend's house. I was there sometimes, but not always. And so then the first night, the first weekend of that time away, um, I'd been really, really like kind of good, straight and narrow kid. And that first weekend, I actually drank and got drunk for the first time that weekend with just a friend of mine. 
And then what I decided would be fun is, so, okay, throughout the week, I'll just have a little get-together the next weekend. You know, maybe 10, 15, you know, something like that of my friends come over and do the same thing again. And word starts to spread throughout the week, and then it was just like, by Friday, it was just random strangers coming up to me like, read your Wakelings, yeah, you know, that. It was total 80s, like, movie-style thing happening, all right? So we, we get to that Friday night, and it was that. Just, like, tons of people, over 100 people showed up at my house two-bedroom, something like, I think, 1,200-square-foot house. Like, it's not big. Uh, backyard had a pool and then kind of uh, another sort of side backyard that had um, this incredible vegetable garden that my dad, it was like my dad's pride and joy. He loved this vegetable garden. He even had six-foot high, like a patch of corn, corn stalks, like six-foot high. And his whole area, he built his own little wooden compost box. And it's just this whole deal. Like, he loved it. It was his thing. And so everybody's coming into this party, and it's going crazy and all that. And then uh, after it goes goes for a while, um, some of these sort of bad guys from our school show up. Uh, you know, I was like, <laughs> you know, I was, I think, 5'8", 130 pounds at the time, uh, played volleyball, and just like, you know, these guys show up that are kind of as gangster as St. many kids can be, and they show up, and, <laughs> and then, and they come in, but they start breaking stuff and picking on people, and it's kind of getting crazy. Like, so these Malibu lights, like their little patio walkway lights got broken, a window got broken, patio furniture is getting thrown in the pool a couple freshmen with it and then like um, you know and it's just getting it's getting worse and worse and worse and what uh, what I decide to do is I decide to call the police on my own party and so I did I called the cops and I was like it's my party I'm doing it I'm sorry please don't act like it was me calling oh my gosh just come and so they come they kick everybody out and they kind of yell at me and leave me with a couple of my friends there to clean up. And we go and we're looking around and cleaning up. And what we realize is like all that stuff had been done, but also that vegetable garden had been completely trampled. My dad's pride and joy, even that, you know, six foot corn uh, and that whole patch of it, just completely trampled. So at this point in my life, my goal is not to be a person of integrity or honor or anything like that. My goal is to not get caught. So what I decide to do is I decide to, because so, my friends and I, had, we've been kind of like pranking each other, you know, like just normal stuff, like TPing or during election season, we go get all the signs and put them on my friend's lawn or like during Christmas tree season when it was like, I feel like when people actually still had real Christmas trees as God intends, uh, we... Um, you know, and all the, they would, it would be like every house would have trees on the street and we'd go grab all those trees and then stick them all on our friend's lawn. Uh, and it was just like those kind of pranks. So we were doing all that kind of stuff to each other all the time. And then, uh, so what I decided to do is make it look like somebody came over to toilet paper my house and then I had cleaned it up. And like while they were toilet papering, they trampled my dad's garden. And so... So I did. I threw, like, toilet paper up in the tree and then, like, pull it down so there's just, like, a little bit up there still and, like, scraps kind of, like, around in the vegetable garden. We fixed the Malibu lights. I fixed the broken window. I fixed the compost bin, pulled all the stuff out of the pool. Everything is dialed. My parents come home, and, and I go out to welcome them. Oh, I love you, Mom and Dad. Uh, and I'm greeting them. And then uh, I say, oh, you know what, but I just got to show you something. And I take my dad to the backyard and I show him the vegetable garden. And it's at that point as I'm showing him that my dad looks at me and he literally has a tear coming down his cheek. He's crying, looking at his pride and joy just destroyed. 
And he says, I just can't believe, I can't believe they would do this toilet papering. And I said, I know, Dad, I can't believe it either. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I did. I looked at him right in the eye and lied to him as he's crying. And then what happens just a few hours later is my dad, it was, he had been on a, they were on a motorhome trip. And he comes, he's outside cleaning up, you know, cleaning up the motorhome, doing all that kind of stuff. And I forgot the one thing that people that are stupid forget is, uh, like me, was neighbors. And so the neighbor comes across the street and says, hey, um, just saw that, like, you guys had a ton of people over here Friday night. Man, cars, cars lined up and down the street. What was going on? What were you guys doing? And my dad's like, hmm, I know what I'm doing now. Uh, and so... My dad did. He grabbed me. We went inside. We sat down. And he just looked at me and he said, he said to me, you looked me right in the face. You looked me right in the eyes. I'm crying. And you lied to me. That was, like, you should never have thrown a party, but that was far worse. That was far, far worse. And in that moment for me, it was real conviction. It was, it was, like, it was genuine. I was feeling genuinely bad for what I had done. I had guilt. I was feeling tons and tons of guilt about what I had done. And I thought, you know, I didn't, I thought my dad probably will never forgive me for this. And, you know, I had consequences. I had lots of consequences. But my dad, my dad forgave me. My dad forgives me and loves me deeply still. And that's a beautiful thing. As I was able to express that, because you see, I felt guilty, because I was guilty, <laughs> you know? I felt guilty because I was guilty. And what that guilt led me to is to confess, to confess my sin to him and ask for his forgiveness. And so the thing about guilt is we always think of guilt as bad, right? We think of guilt as bad. I think we've, because shame is bad. Shame is really bad. Shame is, is something put on you by other people. Shame is, is saying you're bad. Guilt is, some, is like conviction that we receive from the Lord or within ourselves. And it is a thing that is, it says this thing I did is bad, right? Shame says you're bad, but guilt is this thing you've done is bad. And it was. The thing I did was bad. It was really bad. But that guilt led to conviction, which led to repentance, which led to forgiveness. And that's a really, really, really good and beautiful thing. Because conviction is that sense of guilt from the Holy Spirit that nudges us towards God. And I want us to get that. So when we talk about freedom from guilt, it's freedom from shame and it's freedom from being crippled with guilt and just sitting in that guilt. Because we can have freedom from our guilt when that guilt nudges us towards God and leads us to repent and to ask forgiveness. And then what's so cool is we receive that. We are guaranteed by God. We are promised by God to receive that forgiveness in him. And that is something to celebrate. That's what God has commanded us to celebrate. So he says, hey, you've been moved. You've been convicted. You're weeping before him as you hear about the commands of God. And you're sitting in that. No, don't sit in that. 
celebrate that. Eat the fat, drink the sweet, share with others for the joy of the Lord is your strength. That's the message of freedom from guilt. Amen? Yes, amen, amen. And so what's kind of, <laughs> what's funny is what I should have done, my response here, is I should have thrown another party. I should have just done another one, all right? But a different kind of party, okay? <laughs> this God joy party. It's time to throw another party at this point, but it's this God joy party, a party that would say, hey, okay, let's celebrate. Let's eat this good stuff. Let's drink this good stuff. Let's share with others and, and just rejoice because God is good and God has given us that joy. And even that guilt has led us in a good way. It's kind of like how pain is a good thing. Okay, pain is a good thing. You might be like, wait, what a minute. No, pain is a good thing because when you put your hand into a fire, if you don't have pain, your hand is burning up and burning off and then you're dead. Okay, like, you know, eventually you're dead. But if you just, but pain means, oh, you put your hand in fire. Ah, you pull it away because of the pain. That's where pain is a good thing. And in this way, I'm saying guilt is a good thing if it nudges you towards God and leads to repentance that leads to forgiveness and leads to joy. And so we throw a party because of forgiveness. We throw a party because God keeps his promises. We throw a party because our sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sins are covered, Psalm 32, 1. We are blessed because God has covered our sin. There's a story in the Bible, you see, well, first it's just like our sins do need to be covered up, but sometimes we just mess up who does the covering, right? We mess that up. We try to cover up our sins, and we think that we can sort of you know, avoid or ignore or um, cover it up with righteous acts or good works or all that kind of stuff or, or a, a false appearance of looking good. We try to cover up our sins because we mess up who does the covering or even if like being cruel to ourselves in some way, putting shame on ourselves, harming ourselves in some way, we can, we can do that, try to cover our sin when we know that it's Jesus is the only one that can do the covering. Tragically, Judas Iscariot, the betrayer of Jesus, he committed a horrible sin. And he goes and he takes those 30 pieces of silver and he throws them back. He doesn't want them anymore. And he, all, he's got this shame and this guilt upon him. And what's so tragic is he then goes and he kills himself. Because Judas thought he could pay for his own sin or that he needed to pay for his own sin. He thought he needed to do that. When at that same moment, Jesus is upon the cross, right? Jesus dying upon the cross to take that guilt, to take that shame, to take that sin, that wrongdoing that, that even Judas had done. And Jesus was taking that upon himself and then defeating that with what we celebrated last week with the resurrection. And that's where it's like, oh, Judas, like you had... You had this waiting for you, this blessing of your sins being covered by Jesus. Yet he tragically tried to pay that himself. And so we can't get ourselves into that kind of downward spiral where we think that we need to pay for our own sin. And that can start obviously in much smaller ways than what Judas did, but it can lead us to that kind of mindset. And so I want you to hear that Jesus 
wants you to know that you are, your sins are covered. They are covered by him. And he wants you to lose the guilt. We're going to lose the guilt. Okay, so part of this is losing the guilt. And let me even say what I mean with this a little bit more through this story. If you want to look at it, you can in Luke 15. This is the story of the lost son, or famously called the prodigal son. And what's so cool about Luke 15 is uh, it's actually not just the story of the lost son, there's two other stories that come before it. And those two stories are of the lost uh, sheep. And it is this whole heart that, that God wants to go and find the, that lost sheep, that lost person. Uh, we'll leave the 99, even in, in Luke 15, 7, it says, In the same way, there is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. There's joy in heaven over that lost one being found, that lost sheep. Then there's the lost coin in verse 10 says, in the same way there is joy, joy in the presence of God's angels when even one sinner repents. There's joy for that. In heaven, I think joy in heaven is a pretty cool thought, right? a beautiful thought to think of heaven celebrating, rejoicing when, a, when someone comes to repentance. And then comes that story of the lost son. And that story of this lost son, just very, very, very briefly, of this son who says, I want, I'm going to take my inheritance from my father, and I'm going to take it, and I'm going to leave my family and go do my own thing. And so he does, leaves his family, takes his money, spends it on this wild, lavish, sinful living, and then loses all of it till eventually he is feeding pigs and eating the pig food and sleeping amongst the muck, and he is just down and out destitute. And he finally realizes, maybe I could go back to my dad and just work for him, be one of his hired hands on the ranch, right? Like that kind of a thing. And he's like, okay, so I'm going to go back. And he starts making his way back, and he's practicing this, this speech he's going to make to his dad of all of how he's sorry and how he's going to, I'm just going to do this. This is all I want from you is just to be one of your hired hands. And as he's practicing, before he can even get the speech out, his dad has seen his son in the distance. And he sees him out there and he rises up and he pulls his robe and he just begins to run. And he's running towards his son. And as his son is kind of trying to just barely start to get this speech out, it's just like, boom, he just grabs him up in this huge bear hug and holds him tightly. And he loves his son. He wraps him up in this hug. And the son can't even get his speech out. And he's like, my son, my son is back. Let's celebrate. And he tells people, kill the fattened calf. You hear that? Eat the fat. Kill the fattened calf. We're having a party. And they have a party because that son that was lost has now been found and has returned. He puts a ring back on his finger. He says, this is my son. He is not a hired hand. He is forgiven and welcomed in. And they have a party and there's music and there's dancing. It's filled with joy. Yeah, the older brother is struggling because the older brother has been doing all the right things. And he's kind of frustrated that there gets to be a party 
for this guy that went off and did all the wrong stuff. But God is, you know, teaching us in this message, no, 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 no. That's not the mindset we want. The mindset we want to have is to celebrate and rejoice even when one lost person, one person who was not, was outside of the family, who had run away, when that one person returns, when one person repents and is right before God. In that moment, eat the fat, drink the sweet, and strike up the band because we're dancing. And so what I love is this whole thing of all God wants to do is hug you and dance with joy. You feel that guilt. You feel that shame over what you have done. And maybe you have actually done some really bad stuff. That son in Luke 15, he made a ton of mistakes. He was a horrible, horrible son to his father. And all the father wants to do is hug him and dance with joy with him. That is how your God feels about you. So you think that you should hold on to guilt? No, let it go. You have freedom from that guilt because God has given you that freedom. God has given you that joy. God wants to celebrate with you. He wants to throw a party. And so we are to throw a party and celebrate what God has done in us. So eat the fat, drink the sweet, and dance. You can add dancing now. Now we're like, okay, we're going crazy. But hey, I'm just telling you to do what the Bible says, all right? We are to celebrate what God has done in our life. So as we think about how we respond to this, I want you to think of a few of these, these questions just to kind of take in. And think about where you're coming from with this. Are you so caught up in your guilt that you don't even realize God is running towards you? You're like looking down, practicing your speech, and you don't even know he's just burst through the doors and running down the center aisle, waiting to just like grab you up because he loves you that much. Take that in. Or are you annoyed that others are celebrating with joy? You know, are you kind of like, you know, I've been doing all the right stuff and this frustrates me. Well, I want you to loosen up and I want you to celebrate and I want you to rejoice for what God has done. And so if you've lost your joy, let God begin to work in you through his spirit to rebuild that joy in the Lord in you. Because I believe that God joy frees you from guilt. So free yourself to celebrate that of what he has done in you. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we thank you. We thank you so much for your forgiveness. We thank you for the work you've done for us on the cross and the victory you won during the resurrection, God. That all of that just frees us from the, the need to even try to pay for our own sin. And so, Lord, today we say thank you for our guilt when our guilt becomes conviction that leads us towards repentance because you have forgiven us then, God. Lord, help us to celebrate what you have done and to be Christians, followers of Jesus who are filled with your joy. So God, in this moment, we say, Lord, we lay these things down. We lay our guilt and our shame. We lay our righteous works. We, we lay our 
the ways that we even kind of harm our own self, God, we say, Lord, I surrender all of that to you and trust in you for all these things. In Jesus' name, amen.